All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Timberwolves Talk podcast. I'm Peyton, and Chris is going to be joining us from the road right now. He's actually on a business trip. Uh, He's coming back to the Twin Cities area so we can go to the game on Monday the 25th against the Pelicans, so that's pretty exciting. Chris, happy to have you joining on the phone. Yeah, you know, this is. uh, I'm happy to be here. This is a little new for me, I'm not going to lie. Like you said, coming back on a business trip for, uh, for Basshole Media. And, um, yeah, I'm super excited for the, the new realm of uh, Timberwolves talk over the phone. Yeah, it's very interesting. I feel kind of awkward here sitting alone um, on the screen looking at the camera and just not, not, seeing, not seeing you over there on the other side. Pretty weird. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a little weird not, like, seeing you talking, I guess, on the Zoom. But, um Let's get into uh, let's get into the live stream first of all. Uh, thanks oh. for everyone that joined us. Great I mean, time. yeah, it was it was honestly the most fun I've ever had with this whole channel and with this whole experiment per se that me and Chris have been doing. This is uh, that was the most fun I've had. That was amazing. Yeah, you know, um, it was nice to kind of just kick back and you know watch the wolves handle business. Uh, they don't do that too often. Hopefully, it happens a lot more this year, but. Watching them just completely dominate a team while our uh, best three players are all playing super well, I mean, that's exactly what you want in the first game. Yeah, it's its almost like we're not used to, like, having that. Like, I didn't even know how to act on the live stream when we were just dominating and it was time to put the bench in. It was kind of a weird feeling, and it's something that I definitely could get used to feeling. Yeah, you know, in the third quarter, I, I honestly didn't really know what to talk about because we were just doing the same thing over and over again. We were just eating the crap out of them. Yeah, and it, honestly, it feels like the um, the mantra of our podcast up to this date before that game was just disappointment. Um, always trying to be optimistic, always trying to find the positives, but that game just had so many positives that it was almost like we didn't have to do as much work just to talk about the game. Like it was just, it came easy. Yeah, you know, in the, in the near future, we'll have to work out the kinks, obviously. Um, Peyton and I were talking about one of the issues was is we um, we didn't have the game lined up. Like, sometimes my game was ahead. Sometimes Peyton's game was ahead. Um, it, was, it was a little hard to look at the chat and watch the game. But, you know, we'll, we'll work that out in time for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's um, it'll happen with any new thing. I think for that being the first time we did it, I think it honestly went the best that it possibly could have. But for sure, in the future, there's going to be things that we're going to change from that live stream to the next live stream. And then even just down the road, I can't wait to see how far we grow as the season goes. And especially with the success that that one had, we're, um, we're already planning on doing another live stream on October 27th, the Bucks game at 7 p.m. So if that all works out, we'll be posting on our Instagram, Twitter, just to make sure you guys can come join us. But, um, but yeah, really excited for that. I guess getting into the game a little bit, we I thought coming out of the gates, both teams were a little sloppy. Um, 
especially us, actually, I thought was a little you know, more sloppier than the Rockets. I think they got out to like a 7-2 jump. And mm-hmm. um, all, the, all the Rockets fans in the chat were pretty happy about that. But, you know, we filled in and uh, the turnovers were limited after the first quarter. Yeah, it's just kind of what you would expect from a young team or, in fact, any team in the first game of the season, and especially the first quarter of the season. The nerves, I mean, we, we'd like to downplay that, but these guys, they haven't really played in front of a full-packed house in two seasons almost. So just the fact having a packed arena, you've been waiting for this for so long, um, It definitely you could definitely see the nerves play out. But um, you're right, after after that first quarter for sure, and after those first few minutes even, we really dialed it in, and we just played a hell of a game of basketball. I mean, you can't even say anything else. Really. We dominated them from start to finish besides that first few minutes. Yeah. Um, another thing I kind of enjoyed was just watching Ant take over the first half. Like, the end of, uh, the, end of the first half was one of the, uh, like, best – I think that was the best um, quarter we've ever seen from Anthony Edwards. Yeah. You know, he had a 40 point game last year, but that one just, it looked like he could not be stopped. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, the entire game, I, I don't think he shot like 11, he shot 11 for 15, um, hit the three balls at an over 50% clip. Like, if Cat plays like that, like, those, he could be putting up MVP numbers this season. MVP numbers. That's a bold take, but um, honestly, it's not. It's not a bad take. Um, a thing about Cat that I like to notice is how quiet his games are. He never. He never is the uh, center of attention. It's always like, at least last game, everyone was so talking about Ant, but Cat played one of the best. I mean, he always plays great games, but that was one of the most complete games he's played in a long time. I think. Offensively and defensively, um, I. I really enjoyed, you know, watching him block shots, um, stop drive. I also really enjoyed Jaden McDaniel's defense. I thought he was, uh, yeah, there was a lot of talk about a Kogi too, which was well-deserved. I thought he played great. And, um, but Jaden McDaniel's, man, he was just getting turnover after turnover for us. Yeah, almost every single play that that dude made was, um, was a big play. Like, it just seemed like he was making the big plays, like uh, a lot of steals. I don't know the exact number of steals that he had, but a lot of steals, a lot of blocks. He made a huge impact on the game, and he didn't really do much offensively. And I think that that was uh, very telling of the player he is and the type of player he's going to be for us in the future. We don't need him scoring a lot of points. We just need him to be making those plays, those role player, player plays at a high level, and I think he did that. And I also think Josh Okoge played a hell of a game as well. Yeah, a, a, a Kogi, um, you know, every every player who did an interview, like at least the D-Lo, Cass, and um, Anthony Edwards, every one of them mentioned a Kogi. Um, I thought that was very telling of, you know, kind of where that intensity came from on the court. And they all talked about how they kind of had a spark from Josh, and I think that, that was very important to the – what do we have like over 30 fast break points or something like that like that was that was we want to get out in transition that's how you win games um you don't win games by getting into the half court setting every single time down the floor you win games by getting those uh points off turnovers and those fast break points and another player that actually surprised me defensively and I don't know if I haven't if I've been blind to this in the rest of his career with Minnesota or if I've just undervalued this but Mike or uh, <laughs> 
Uh, Beasley, Malik Beasley played great defense, and he had a few huge plays at critical moments in the game where they just kind of turned the table and just asserted us even more as the dominant team in that game. Yeah, Malik had that. I, I really love that play where he uh, he sprinted down the floor, and um, Kevin Porter was going up for a dunk, and he stripped him before he went up. And Malik went flying into the bench, and you saw like eight Timberwolves pick him up. Man, that's just that's what you want to see from a team. I mean, even like you don't even see that very often in NBA. That's like a college, high school thing. Just that energy that we had on the bench, and I know the Timberwolves and a lot of people have been posting that clip, but that shows that this team is in it together. And also how you were talking about how they were all shouting out Josh Okogie after the game. If you look at the stat sheet, he's one of the last names that'll pop out to you when you're looking at um, when you're looking at stats of the game when you don't actually watch the game. But the fact that all the players, instead of mentioning Ant or Cat, most of them mentioned Josh Okogie, that just shows that this team understands that it's not about scoring. It's about the little plays and Josh Kogi made great plays. And I think that he deserves to start next game because of that. Oh yeah. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. He deserves to start. Um, I really did like that starting five. That was, that played out exactly how we wanted it to. Um, those three did the bulk of the scoring and Jaden and Josh know their roles. And uh, I think that'll be the starting lineup possibly for the entire year. I, I can see that. Um, you know, Malik started off a little cool. I don't want to say he was bad last game because I think he did different things well that he wouldn't usually do well. Uh, right. uh, defense, obviously. And he when he hit his first three, I think that's kind of when he got more involved in the game. You saw it. You saw, I think it was Ant to Malik. Um, Malik hit that three and then he just got more engaged. And I think hopefully that's what will settle him down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the same as for most players. Once you get C1 start to fall, Everything else kind of opens up and you start playing better. Um, a few stats for Beasley, dude. And the fact that I called him Michael Beasley at the beginning of the um, at the beginning of this podcast just a few minutes ago is no disrespect to him as a player or as a person. It just it was an accident. But he had uh, two, two steals and two blocks. And even me and you, Chris, have criticized Malik before on his defense maybe needs to step up. But after this first game, I'm, I'm impressed. And I'm not saying that he's a... Uh, Great defender all of a sudden, but just seeing that, that's what you like to see is players that maybe haven't been the best defenders even stepping up defensively. I think that just proves that this team is different now. Yeah, and uh, my Zoom is currently being, like, really weird, um, actually. That's all right. See what happens there. <laughs> Could you... um, we're, we're working Thanks, guys, for everything. You know, I mean, yeah, for sure. Could you? Did you hear what I said, though? Uh, yeah, a little. I heard a little bit about what you said about Beasley and how the defense was yeah. really. And I, I would 100% agree. I was a little worried that it wouldn't translate um, from the preseason, but I think it might. I, I really do think it might. Yeah, another thing I want to say is, I mean, we're talking about defense, energy, team spirit, all these things, but the guy who is the culprit of all that wasn't even in the gym. How do you see? Patrick Beverly's return, do you think he's uh, going to get – how do you think he's going to fit into the rotation, and do you think that the defense is going to make even a step higher with him back on the court? I, I think it'll be great. I mean, um, there wasn't a lot of guard depth. You saw, you saw McLaughlin, and I don't think he was like – I don't even really think Jordan contributed a whole ton to the offense um, or defense. So, I mean, 
having Beverly for the next game is just going to be a uh, is going to be an added, added bonus. I I think it'll be very good. I think Beverly's a potentially a better three point spot of three point shooter than McLaughlin, and obviously a better defender. So I mean, the, 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 there's endless possibilities for the final. I, I mean, the way that they're playing right now, even though it was just the Rockets and throughout the preseason, man, I. I can't see this team being an easy team to beat. Like, you're not just going to come to Minneapolis and get a free win against the Timberwolves. You're going to have to play. Exactly. We're not We're not at that point yet, and obviously it's one game. We're not at that point yet where we are going to be the favorites of most games, but we're also at that point where, you're right, teams are not going to just want to come to Minnesota in the cold of winter and just say, oh, this is going to be an easy win. They're going to have to fight for it against us. A fun fact that I have, uh, I'm going to give credit to this fact from Dane Moore. Um, the Timberwolves have won six of the last six uh, home openers that they've had. And as we've seen in the last few seasons, it hasn't gone um, gone that well for us. But um, do you think that the optimism that these fans are, that all of us are showing right now is uh, a little bit of an overreaction or do you think that it's uh, validated here? You know, um, the, the past few times that we've had good starts this season, the past two years they've been against um, – bad teams or injured teams like the Nets were a good example they only had Kyrie at this point KD had a torn Achilles um, after the final uh, two years ago but you know I, I would proceed with caution a little bit because obviously we have seen this before but there is a different feel to this team I think there's a lot more confidence instilled in the team at the moment um, but you know they are the Timberwolves at the end of the day so we that's a that's a great way to put it. Optimistically cautious. I think that um, I think the difference this year is just that we finally have taken the time to put together a well-oiled roster where everyone everything makes sense on our team. We got the role players, we got the stars, we got a star that can take the attention, and we also have a star that can play a little bit with less spotlight, and he's okay with that. We got D'Angelo Russell, who's not as worried about making his own plays, but when he does heat up. He can hit a bunch of threes right in a row, and you don't even know what hit you. And I think that we got the – yeah, it's just the, the roster is well-constructed that you – know, I see it a lot harder for us to have the uh, classic Minnesota Timberwolves melt down. Yeah. Um, there, there is a lot more, you know, just variety of players on the team. You know, there's a lot more needs to build, um, and that's all we need. I mean, that's, that's – that's all we're asking for is just for a little defense, a little hard, hard play. You know, we already have the offense. So it's, it's going to be a good season. I, I really do. Like, if Peyton and I said it was the year last year, and it might have been the year, you know, if our players, if our star players didn't go down. But, like, Ant, if, if Ant takes that sophomore jump, there's no way we're not a playoff season. That, that, you can set that in stone. Yeah. And I think um, I, th- I think it's kind of cool actually now that the uh, that the national media is finally starting starting to see Ant almost on that same level as Lamelo. Like I've been um, I've been noticing that he's finally starting to get that respect that we were calling for last year and that um, he just didn't get last year. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And um, also, you know, Lamelo did have a great game too. So this is gonna again, this is gonna be a little competition between the two. RA. I can already tell. Um, but you know, I'm excited. I, I really have to see, uh, which player, you know, will be better this season. 
I think LaMelo has a better opportunity to get more shots up and be a, uh, a bigger part of that team. But I, do you think these two could be all-stars this year or one or the other? Um, so um, the LaMelo's in the Eastern Conference, correct? I, I know, I'm pretty sure, right? Charlotte's in the East? So I feel like Lamelo has a lot easier um, route to the uh, to the All Star game. Obviously, last year Devin Booker did not make the All Star game. The West is very crowded at guards, especially. So I think Ant really needs to have just an amazing season if he wants to have a chance to get into the All Star game. I think that Lamelo in the All Star game, I think that's a much better shot. But both of them, I don't know. I think that if Ant keeps playing like he did last game. He has a good shot, but even at that point, I don't know if he for sure will make the All-Star game. I, I think Ant would probably have to average around 26, 27 to make it. Cause I think D-Book last year was at, like, what, 25 and didn't make it? So Yeah. Yeah, that'll be tough. I mean, we honestly, all I'm looking for for Ant this year is efficiency. Um, and... I don't want him to get 25 points on 25 shots. I want him to get 25 points on maybe 15, 14 shots. Yeah. So, I mean, he, hey, he, he took 12 threes, uh, took 12 threes, but he made six of them. That's all you can ask. Yeah, I actually, I have two stats that I, um, when I was looking over the box score, two stats that really stood out to me, and I kind of just want to talk about those two stats. And you just brought up the first one was Anthony Edwards, six for 12 from threes. Um, he hasn't really been known as a three-point shooter throughout his career. I guess that's kind of something that he picked up last year towards the end of the year was his three-point shooting. But, wow, man, six threes in a game is pretty good. And even on 12 shots, that's not – I mean, that, I don't know. That's I think that's a really good sign for Anthony Edwards in his career that he's starting to pick up that three-point shot a little bit better. Oh, yeah. Um, if, if he made – if he went six to 12 last year, three, we would be, like, shocked. Like, we would uh, – Yeah. I am shocked he went six and twelve for three still, but you know that that is a drastic improvement from where he was last year. You know he'd have a lot of those Wiggins asking three point shooting nights, and that obviously I think he's a more complete player and better than Andrew Wiggins. But you never want to see a guy that inefficient. He he, he is starting to I think learn the game a little bit better than. Yeah, the only thing I could see problematic was that is I hope he just doesn't get uh, three point trigger happy. Because if instead of making six threes, maybe he made three threes. He was three for twelve. That's kind of that starts to become a problem. I hope that he can be conscious of when he's on, he's on, and maybe he can focus more on shooting the threes. But when he's off, I want Anthony Edwards to focus on getting to the cup and getting to the free throw line because that's where he's most effective. Even if he's making threes, he still is more effective getting to the basket. Yeah, and obviously Ant's yeah, not going to be a fifty percent three point shooter. No, this year. Uh, he's going to be around the likes of. I would hope mid thirties. I think mid thirties yeah. would be a good for him. Obviously, I would love him to be shooting in forty percent. But um, he made an interesting comment actually after the game. He, he talked about how the reason he has to put up so many threes is to open up those driving lanes for him. But honestly, I he's such a physically dominating player that I feel like he can get to the cup at will on some guys. Yeah, but I mean that is a good that is a good point. That's kind of speaking to that he's starting to understand the game more. Is that Basketball is a two is at least a two dimensional sport. So if you're a shooter, and um, when you start making your shots, getting to the cup becomes a lot easier, and vice versa. When you can start getting to the basket at will, 
your three-point shot's going to start getting better. And then when you can start doing both of those effectively, it just opens up a whole new level of your game because the defense doesn't know what to do. They have to start guessing. They don't. They have to start closing out a little softer, leaving you open for a shot. Or if in turn they start closing out harder, you're going to have an easier job getting to the cup. So it just makes it – it just builds it on itself, and it just makes everything easier. Yeah, it, it for sure opens up a lot more when you have that three-point shot. Yeah. Um, another another thing, what was I going to talk about? Um, not much in Noel uh, two nights ago, and I I think I would say the reason for that being is I think he would have been out there a little bit more, but he was just injured. Like I don't think there's any, I don't think there's much to look into that. Honestly, um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Clarkson got the did over Noel for the guard position there? Um, I think it's a, I think it's a case of a few things. I was talking to my buddy about this yesterday, actually. I think that Noel, um, if we're going to be the team that we all want to be, um, Noel's a great player, but at this moment, I think that we're very guard heavy. And I think that when you become a great team, you're going to have to start not playing those players that are good with potential because we already have better options. So like last year, sure, Noel was a big piece to this team, but I think as you start getting better as a team, those players are going to have to start taking backseat roles. But I also, my personal preference is I'd rather have Noel out there than McLaughlin. And also I think, yeah, you're right. It had to do with the injury a little bit for sure. Like also, I believe um, Malik being a six man now, you know, that's, that's, um, you know, that affects Noel's minutes. Yeah. I, Akogi deserves that starting spot at the moment. Um, no matter, like, if you're an Akogi fan or not, he deserves that starting spot. He brings he brings the juice to that lineup. And um, I, he, he deserves to be the starting three. He's athletic, defender. Um, honestly, took great shots. He, yeah. he didn't take a bad shot, in my opinion. Um, just a smart player. And that's, that's who needs to be playing are smart players so obviously you know talent takes i think talent's probably the forefront of what you want to build your team around but you also have to build around intelligent players like kogi and kogi's having a better better camp better start to the season i like kogi in the three spot bring some versatility i like beasley coming off the bench is a, is a little uh syndicate for the scoring and i also you know I kind of like McLaughlin a little bit. He's more of a true point guard than uh, the Noel. Yeah. And I think part of, part of the reason is obviously Pebbler, but McLaughlin like he spreads the ball. He's a he's a true point guard. He spreads the ball around. He's not looking to do much besides set his teammates up. So I think in within that game plan, I think he was probably the better play. And where where will Noel play in the future? I would I would. I can foresee a lineup of of Pat Bev, Noel, and uh, and Malik. I, I yeah. can foresee that. I don't know if that'd be an every game second unit type type thing. Um, but you know, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if we can look into it too much. I think we'd have to wait until he's not on the injury report to kind of speculate. Yeah, and especially speaking on uh, J Mac, uh, little J Mac is um, when he is out on the court with Nasri. With with Nas Reed, should I say, um, with Nas Reed on the court with um, J Mac, he uh, Nas is a better player. They really have some great chemistry together, and I think that 
J Mac really elevates uh, Reed's game. Yeah, hundred for sure. Agree. Um, that pit, that pick and pop really works with them. And I think it's an underrated um, aspect of Nas' game is actually his cutting. Yeah. You'll see him get open a lot towards the basket. He, that's where he gets most of his points is those little backcourt cuts. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a driver for a big man too, and an okay shooter. But the, you guys watch the bulk of his points are from cutting and little post. Dude, he uh, he's gonna be something scary down the future. Even this year, man, he's just. That's what I'm saying about this team is we have so much depth. And like Nas Nas Reed is a great player, and you're not gonna he's not gonna be a huge part of the offense most games. But when we need him to step up, I think he's just gonna be a great option for us. Um, one stat that I also wanted to bring up. My second stat was, Cat had a plus thirty four plus minus, and I mean. That that MVP, well, I'm, I, it's one game. I mean, it's one game, but if he can average like a uh, a plus ten throughout the season, that it just goes to show how valuable he is. And he 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 really is underrated, and that's crazy to say about a, a borderline superstar. That he's, he, I, I I personally would put him in the superstar category yes. this year, last year if he didn't get hurt. Um, he's putting up. I think last year was around twenty six. 12 and 4. Yeah. I think that's superstar numbers and he doesn't get he doesn't get the recognition that Embiid and Jokic get. And I I personally don't understand. Yeah, even from our fan base, I feel like we all underrate him. Even me at the same time like like he can put up that crazy of a game and it's just it's just kind of quiet. He's a quiet player and I think you need that. You need you need a little bit of everything on every team. Um Okay, so I'm I'm kind of new to the NBA stats. Can you explain the PER rating to me? Uh, player efficiency rating. Yeah. So I believe uh, I I want to say it's it's shooting combined with minutes. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up. I'm sorry to put you on the spot like that. That was a uh... It's an all-in-one basket. It's an all-in-one basketball rating. Um, um, the league's average is fifteen. Um, I, w- I want to say it combines minutes played and uh, field goal percentage. So it takes into account um, field goals, free throws, three pointers, assists, rebounds, blocks, steals, and then also negative things such as missed shots, turnovers, and personal fouls. The formula adds positive stats and subtracts negative ones through a statistical point system, and then the rating is is adjusted on a per mis, per minute basis. Exactly. That's, that's what I, I I think it was minutes with scoring and well, obviously it includes more now that I know. But so I would kind of compare that to WAR in baseball. It's kind of like it, it's, it's how valuable you are to your team, right? Yeah, it's kind of like the all. It's just a stat that takes everything into account and kind of just it's a way of comparing players putting all the stats together into like assigning one number to a stat to a player you basically but um on those lines i'm looking at these stats from last game and carl anthony towns had a 46 per what's the, the league ne- average again 15 oh. and the next best on the wolves was d'angelo russell with 25 so <laughs> He, like that's just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I like to see that. Um, you know, it's, it, I think I think plus minus, like like uh, player efficiency rating is probably the best measure of 
how successful a player is to your team. And it just goes to show how valuable Cat is. You, 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 you saw it last year, especially um, when Cat was down and it was just D'Lo and Ant playing, they struggled mightily. But when yeah. it was D'Lo down and Cat and Ant playing, they won a lot of games. And that's just not, you know, I'm not harping on D'Lo at all, but it's just like Cat is that dude. He is that dude. He is that dude. Um, well, I guess we should. Uh, do you want to look ahead to the Pelicans game on Saturday? Would love to. All right. So um, ESPN right now, obviously that's not the uh, most reliable place to look for uh, chances to win. But the Timberwolves have a sixty-nine percent chance to win the game. Zion Williamson's out. What are you thinking looking at this game? We already beat him in the preseason. I mean, what do you think? Um. So by the way, uh, to our audience. So the Wolves play the Pelicans on Saturday and Monday, and Peyton and I will be at the Monday game. So I'll, I'll kind of group both these games into what I think is going to happen. Because uh, we probably won't have a Timberwolves talk before. No, months. most definitely not. But I would I would say, you know, with, without a, a top player in the league like Zion, I, Zion's probably a top, at least top 20 player in the league. Um Taking that away from the Pelicans, you know, they have a couple decent pieces. Um, I really – I've always liked Valanciunas throughout his career. I think he's a very underrated player. I think he does the dirty work. and he, He's on winning teams like the Raptors for so long and the Grizzlies. Um, I think Valanciunas always gives Cat a tough time. Um, mm-hmm. That's just the Memphis blood in Valanciunas. So – him and B.I. are an interesting, you know, set of players in that B.I. has improved so much. Brandon Ingram has improved so much over his career um, where I think he's borderline star. Definitely a star. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if we can hold B.I. to like 23, you know, Valanciunas to 17, 16, I, I don't think we have any issues um, with these these two games against the Pelicans. I think we sweep this series 2-0 and go on to 3-0 and uh, face the Bucks on next Wednesday. Yep, Bucks and, on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, uh, I've seen the most Wisconsin thing ever right now driving. There's just a truck full of cows <laughs> their heads out. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we sweep the sweep Pelicans, no issue. Um, you know, but like I said, it's, it's any given day in any in any sport, and these are professional players. If you don't come with your game, they're, they're going to beat you. So. Yeah, I think... Um, I have the same, I have the same approach to it as you. I just have a little bit more um, realism. I just uh, skepticism is a good word to say. Um, I, last time when we played the Pelicans in the preseason, I think Bi, as you say, had a had a pretty rough outing. And but usually against us, I feel like he play, plays pretty well. And he's the type of player where he can take over a game. So I think we, if we can shut down Brendan Ingram, maybe put a Kogi on him or something. I think that that's going to be the key to winning the game because besides Brandon Ingram, they don't have much. So if you can stop him, I think we have a pretty pretty dang good shot at go, starting the season out 3-0, and which is just so incredible. I don't, have, I don't have the roster in front of me, but is Bledsoe on the Pelicans at the moment, or did he get traded again this offseason? I, th- I think he got traded because I feel like he gets traded all the time. But uh, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Actually, he might because we I remember seeing him in the um, – in the preseason on one of the games we played. So I don't know if it was that game. I believe Bledsoe's on the Pelicans. You know, I, 
Bledsoe's always kind of been a dog his whole career. You know, he's a good defender. Um, I really like Kira Lewis coming off the bench for the Pelicans, too. I think he's obviously super quick. He's kind of like a um, – I, I don't want to describe him as like a really bad – he's, he's a type of player kind of like Kyrie where he's really fast and shifty. Um, he's got a decent shot on him. Obviously not as good as Kyrie, but – He's a young player to, you know, watch out for, I think, too. Um, Jackson Hayes is always, you know, pretty decent coming off the bench. So, I think we match up very well with Pelicans. Um, But, you know, Valanciunas always gives us issues, it seems like, and so does B.I. Bloodstone is actually on the uh, Clippers. That's what we're thinking because we we watched the Clippers game. Okay, gotcha. So, is Kira Lewis starting now for them? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Let's see. Um, I had a couple people tell me we should actually do a vlog before Monday's game. That'd be something. I, I would do that. Yeah, I mean, may, maybe if you guys leave in the comments that you want a little game day vlog, kind of see. Uh, I haven't been to Target Center for a couple of years because of COVID, but it's, it's a fun time. I, I actually really like going to the old Yeah, hell yeah. I think we should do that. It's a great idea. Um, I have one topic I want to bring up. Um, it's going to be a little bit deeper than most things we talk about on this podcast because usually all we talk about is surface level stuff and kind of the game. It's something I've been noticing in the uh, NBA community, uh, the Twitter community. I think it's kind of fucked up, man. I um, Have you been seeing all these memes about Zion and his weight gain and all this stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of stuff about it. Like, obviously, he's like – he visibly looks bigger, and that's kind of like an issue because I'm pretty sure I believe he got fined for weight gain, or I know players do. Um, mm. Some contracts they have like weight gain clauses, like for Eddie Lacy, for example. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he actually had a binge eating disorder, and that's kind of what got him out of the league. Like, he was a pretty dang good running back for a little bit, and it's, I hope that's not what's happening with Zion because, you know, eating like. I think people downplay the effects of like eating disorders just in general in our right. society. It's, it's a it's a severe issue, and if that's what actually is going on with Zion, that's extremely sad. You know, like it's. I don't want to say this because I actually love Zion, but like, if he keeps putting weight on like that, and he's he's obviously an insanely athletic guy, um, those knees are not going to last. That's too much weight, too much force on the on the knee. Yeah, um, the thing about it is, I I've been seeing there's that one angle they show the um, the picture from his rookie year compared to the picture from this year, and um, the thing is, man, it's it's really just this the angle that they're showing. It really just it, it's an under angle, and it really just makes him look a lot bigger than I think he actually is. And I think just the problem with it is, it's a lot of people speculating on his weight gain. And all this stuff without actually knowing what's going on and what, if he's actually gained weight or how, if there's, there's actually even is a problem with that. Or maybe Zion's just a, he's a, he's always been a big guy. Yeah. He's and been a huge guy. I don't know. And I just keep seeing these memes all over of like him eating all the, like the New Orleans food and stuff. And I just, if he is having an issue, I think that him seeing all this stuff is only going to make it worse. And I don't know. I just think it's kind of messed up. Social media today. I mean, like, yeah, if, if he, 
almost the same thing with the with the Kyrie Irving situation. I'm not going to get into. No, that. yeah, yeah, we, yeah, tiptoe, tiptoe. <laughs> but like, it, there's there's so much people commenting on the situation that have no clue, like why Kyrie made the decision or why, like, like I said, I'm not going to comment on like politics or vaccinations, but like, no one has any clue what Kyrie is like going. Yeah. Well, yeah, and even like speaking of, oh, sorry, we lost you there for a second. Um, speaking of this mental health stuff, like even the Ben Simmons situation, like how the news is coming out that he is not mentally ready to play, and that's what he's saying, and everyone's saying like this is just an excuse, all this stuff, but like, as a, like now we gotta take, we gotta start taking this stuff a little bit more seriously. If he really is having. If he's really not mentally ready to play yet, you can't expect him to go out and play. He's been going through so much with the media and everything right now. Like, I don't know. I feel like not many people are looking at it from that side. I mean, just touching on the Ben Simmons, I won't dive too into it. But yeah. Like, I think both sides really messed up the situation horrifically. Um, I don't think Rich Paul did a great job of, know going about getting Ben Simmons traded I don't think Ben Simmons did a good job of going about getting himself traded and I think Daryl Morey and the whole Sixers organization in general just I mean you tried to trade the man for James Harden people forget about this Ben Simmons does not forget about this Philly has never believed in Ben Simmons and I don't want to hear anything different from Philly fans you've never believed in Ben Simmons you've never gave him a shot one bad game one bad game has led to yes Ben Simmons is like the most versatile defender in the league. Um, he's a he's a big scoring threat. Like people forget when Embiid was out, he dropped like forty five on Rudy Gobert. He is one of the most intelligent players in the league. Best passers. It's one element of his game is missing and it's improving. It's uh, there's obviously something there, like a mental block that's not letting him shoot. And I think a difference situation would really benefit him and I think the Sixers are I think the Sixers have really messed this up because they they highballed them like they highballed all these teams especially like including the Timberwolves they highballed these teams extraordinary amounts for a disgruntled player like when we had to trade Jimmy Butler we got like Dario Sarge and Robert Covington in the second I believe Ben Simmons is not going to be traded for much I guarantee it after these outbursts there's Teams are going to be questioning his character right now, and I don't, I don't know if his character is actually bad. I just know he wants to get out of Philly. I know he got kicked out of practice because he doesn't want to be there. Yeah, and, and I just, I don't know. When I see a situation like this, instead of jumping to the conclusion, I like to look at it from both perspectives. And you're right, Ben Simmons has he handled this situation well? No, has he handled this situation decent? No, he's handled this pretty bad, and he's made a lot of bad steps. But the fact that people are expecting him to come back and play and practice like nothing happened, you got to be kidding me. Like, imagine being Ben Simmons right now, trying to go play a game for the Philadelphia 76ers after your owner is saying all this stuff about you, after just the, after MB has said all this stuff. Like, it, it's an impossible situation for him to be in. And I just can't even imagine. And the spotlight, man. Yeah, I think the whole story of Ben Simmons honestly is a lack of trust with the organization mm-hmm. and I, to an extent i think it's very fair of ben simmons to have that distrust yeah he's, he's always 
been he's always been um, second to Embiid. They've tried to trade him multiple times. The fans are not nice to him. Um, Philly's a tough city to play in, but like, oh, yeah. and you can, this guy's one of this guy's a premier NBA player. He was an All Star last year. Forgot, dude. It's like um. You know what? He might not be cut out to play in Philly, but that doesn't mean he's not cut out to play in a in a smaller market team. That might be exactly what he needs. And the problem is, they're saying that this could go on for four years, four more years of this. I I, I can't imagine because he, Ben's not going to lose out on thirty two million. Like he's going to play this year, no matter what. He he can't afford to lose out on thirty two million dollars. But you're telling me he's going to be trying his fucking hardest? No. No. no he's it's out of practice. It's going to be a sticky situation. I just feel bad and, like, I don't know. I just think that the media and, like, having Shams and those guys tweet about every little thing is only going to make it worse. And I just feel bad for Ben Simmons. He's wasting away his prime sitting on the bench in Philadelphia. Um, I really think, actually, a good landing spot for Ben Simmons might be that he's like, could you imagine, you know, add a little, uh, add one of the best defenders and passers to that team, maybe a little bit of, it's crazy, he's only 25, but a little bit of veteran leadership. Um, hey, man, I, I think seeing Jalen Green, Ben Simmons, depending on who they can keep, um, they have a lot of picks. I mean, maybe you ship John Wall in four first rounds over there. Keep your own court, man. If Christian Wood, Ben Simmons, uh, Kevin Porter. Kalen Green, hey, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, dude, they just they, I feel like there's just so many situations where Ben Simmons would thrive in the league, and then he's stuck in literally the worst spot for him. And I, just, I honestly, I just feel bad for him. I feel bad for everyone in the situation. I feel bad for all the players on Philadelphia that have to deal with all this going on right now. They just want to, they just want to play. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like I, we're not disagreeing with Embiid, by the way. You know, I, no. I. I, I the frustration Embiid has of losing a player you need to make the playoffs. Like, if it's just the Embiid Sixers with Tobias Harris, Seth, I mean, hey, man, in the East, you can probably make the playoffs, but if they were in the West, it, it, I think it'd be over. I, I honestly don't think they make the playoffs. Yeah. You need Ben Simmons. You need Ben Simmons, and it, it's just a sticky situation. I'm happy it's not us that are going that's going through that right now after going through the whole uh, Jimmy Butler situation. But yeah, I think it's good that we touched on both those topics because they're both very prevalent in the current NBA right now. And um, yeah, I think it's good to hear our takes on it. But I don't know, man. It's a business trip. It's a business trip. I'm really excited for uh, for the game. I think maybe, yeah, might as well just do a game day vlog. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Peyton and I will both be both be back. Yeah. yeah it'll be a great day um i'm excited for this pelicans game tomorrow night um even more excited for the game on monday thank you guys for tuning in if you've listened to this far uh make sure to subscribe like this video and be ready for next wednesday at 7 p.m for the live stream of the bucks game thanks for tuning in guys chris have a great drive home have a great rest of your weekend bro appreciate it see you buddy